0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 1022 AM Central Daylight Time. It is the 18th of June, 2020. This is episode 254 of Bitcoin. And let me remind everybody... I have a discount code for Bitblock. That's right. <clears throat> All one word, Bitcoin and. No spaces, no underscores, no nothing. Go get your tickets because they're running out, man. In fact, uh, looking at their uh, looking at their the bitblockboom.com page, it would appear that in their tickets section, um, that the general admission, the tickets for general admission and the dinner. As well as the general admission, the dinner, and the brunch are both sold out. so the the things that are left are general admission for three hundred and twenty nine bucks. Uh, the second one, or the only other ticket that's available is the general admission and the Bitcoin brunch, and that is three hundred and ninety nine bucks. So with uh, my discount code, you'll get thirty percent off. I may, I don't know if I'm gonna get anything back out of it or not. I don't know. I just wanna I just want to chill a, a good Bitcoin only conference because this is Bitcoin only. There are no altcoin talk. There will be no blockchain bullshit. It's just gonna be a whole bunch of hardcore Bitcoiners in Dallas, Texas. The dates of the event are August the 29th and August the 30th. However, there are some things that are going on if you've got your tickets already, some things that are going on. Um, on Thursday and Friday before, let's look at what the schedule actually is, just so you know what the hell's going on here. Uh, on Thursday, August the 27th, Bitcoins and Barbells is at 1.30 p.m. Jeff Vandreau and Ben Westgate and Morgan Rashard will discuss lifting, bro, how to get your gains, uh, diet, design, that kind of thing. They'll be kind of teaching you how to not jack your back up when you're lifting, bro. And then at 6 p.m. that night will be the welcome to the Bitblock Boom dinner. It's Tex-Mex. I have no idea where the hell it is. All right, so on Friday, August the 28th, there will be the underground citadel discussions from 11 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And it's all you need to know to achieve self-sovereignty. We all got red-pilled on the financial system. Time to look into alternatives in other areas of our lives. Let's discuss how to escape the broken system and build the right experience for ourselves later on (laughs) actually not later on um there is something else that's going on around during that time from 1 pm to 4 there's build your own personal server uh so build it literally i guess from the description it kind of tells you how to build your own personal server and there's some things in there such as uh p2p protocols and tor might be interesting And then at 6 p.m. is the Satoshi Nakamoto Institute's third annual dinner. Now, the event's proper on Saturday, August the 29th from 8 to 5, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., a full day dedicated to Bitcoin with speakers, networking, and vendors. This is a real Bitcoin event. The after-conference party goes from 6.30 p.m. to 11 p.m. You need the general admission ticket with that. there will be some networking abilities or uh, uh, opportunities there. Rabbit Hole Recap Live is going to go on, so Marty and Matt and uh, will be recording a live version of Rabbit Hole Recap. Then at eight o'clock, will be some networking, and then at eight thirty, the Owls Lacrosse Awards. No, I'm not even going to try to do the the sound effect for the owl. I, I'm I'm not that good. It's not. Sunday, August the thirtieth, the end of the conference goes from ten a.m to 2 p.m. And that is a, a brunch. Okay. It's the Bitcoin brunch and it ends the whole thing off. So if you want to go, uh, you can get tickets to general admission and the brunch for $3.99. You'll get 30% off if you use Bitcoin and all one word in the coupon discount code when you buy your tickets. So there's the your morning chill for, for the day. Let's burn into how just how bad chris giancarlo failed all of us in our expectations of somebody who we thought would have at least a smidgen of ethics uh no he he didn't xrp fails howey test and is not a security says former cftc chairman christopher giancarlo ex-crypto dads, Daily Hodel staff, writing this one for the Daily Hodel sometime yesterday. In an op-ed released on Wednesday, former chairman of the United States Commodity Futures Trading Commission, Christopher Giancarlo, and his colleague, Conrad Balkey argue that XRP is not a security. Giancarlo, who is currently senior counsel at Wilkie, Farr, and Gallagher, and Balky both work on behalf of Ripple, a client of Wilkie, Farr, and Gallagher. <clears throat> Gallagher. <clears throat> Their statements, published on Wednesday by the International Financial Law Review, discuss Ripple and the application of U.S. securities law to the world's third largest cryptocurrency, highlighting the case for Ripple's classification as a medium of exchange or a currency. Giancarlo and Balky note that while senior officials at the United States Securities and Exchange Commission have made public statements that Bitcoin and Ethereum, the largest cryptocurrencies by market cap, are not securities, they've issued no such remarks about XRP. They add, quote, much like Bitcoin and Ether, XRP is a digital currency supported by a distributed ledger that uses cryptography to store and transfer assets. I doubt that. However, XRP and the underlying XRP ledger were designed in 2011 and 2012 specifically as a payment mechanism by software developers who later founded Ripple Labs. Ripple, the hobo wine. Your favorite, my favorite, whatever. Ripple today utilizes XRP to address liquidity challenges faced by financial institutions including high transaction fees, long processing times, and the need for third-party monitoring interposed by traditional clearinghouse and settlement mechanisms in, quote, <clears throat> man, that's a mouthful. Unlike Bitcoin and Ethereum, however, XRP is not mined. According to Giancarlo and Balky, or, ba- yeah, Balky, the, <clears throat> the lack of mining does not fundamentally change how XRP is utilized or how securities law should be applied. They write, quote, in the absence of mining, XRP cannot be generated by third parties. Instead, a finite supply of XRP, 100 billion units, was created at the time of inception, slightly more than 50%, which is currently held in escrow by Ripple and sold periodically. God, I, just that sentence by itself should throw people in jail. While these differences enable XRP to better serve its intended purposes as a liquidity tool and settlement mechanism, they do not fundamentally set XRP apart from its peers from a legal and regulatory perspective, end quote, oh, yes, it does. God. Under the Howey framework, a transaction represents an investment contract if a person, quote, invests money in a common enterprise and is led to expect profit solely from the efforts of the promoter, sponsor, or other third party, end quote. The author states <clears throat> that XRP fails the Howey test in multiple ways. Oh, boy, let's find out how. Quote, the mere fact that an individual holds XRP does not create any relationship, rights, or privileges with respect to Ripple. Mm. Ripple has not marketed XRP as an investment product, nor has it promised XRP holders any sort of profit or return on investment. To the contrary, Ripple has repeatedly emphasized the functionality of XRP as a liquidity tool and a settlement mechanism. The fact that certain parties may acquire XRP with the hope that it may appreciate in value cannot be disportive or sorry, dispositive as the same is equally true of a large number of Bitcoin and Ether speculators. As discussed above, XRP fundamentally falls outside of the definition of the investment contract under the Howey test. Moreover, there is strong evidence that the specific use of XRP for ODL, Ripple's liquidity product, constitutes a utility token and in this capacity should not be subject to regulation as a security, end quote. While Former CFTC chairman Gary Gensler has said that Ripple sure seems like a common enterprise and suggested over 1,000 cryptocurrencies could be operating outside of the law. The current CFTC chairman, Heath Tarbert, has made no definitive statement about XRP, calling its status, quote, unclear. When asked in October of 2019 about XRP's consideration of security, SEC chairman Jay Clayton said he was not at liberty to make any conclusive remarks. Probably because they're under internal investigation. That would be my bet. Let's go back to this one, uh, this one sentence here. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, the mirror... Oh, wait, 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 what was it? In the absence of mining, XRP cannot be generated by third parties. Instead, a finite supply of XRP was created at the time of inception, slightly more than 50% of which is currently held in escrow by Ripple and sold periodically. Sold to who? Think about that. Dude, I just invent money out of thin air with nothing. I mean, not even a machine mining it. No, there's no mining of XRP. This, there's no proof of work here. There's no. I, 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 I can only assume that this would fall under a, 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 a pseudo proof of stake kind of thing. But even then... I don't think anybody but Ripple has control of this shit. So they invented it out of, out of thin air, they start getting it listed on exchanges, it, ha, it it's given a market cap because at least one of these little sons of bitches were sold, and then they just drop it into escrow and sell it on retail every once in a while. How's on, on God's green earth, even though, yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of government, but dude, I'm also not an idiot either. How the hell these people aren't all in jail is beyond my comprehension. So we invent something. It means nothing. We get people to think it means something and then we sell it to them. You know, freaking yikes, man. If it's that easy, if it's that easy to sell your soul to the devil, then I kind of weep for humanity as a whole. But let's move on. This is out of BitcoinLightning.com. <clears throat> this is written by David Hamilton. I believe David Hamilton is, I think the Bitcoin Lightning is a general blog. I'm not exactly sure, but I found it. Uh, I kind of ran across this and wanted to uh, see how this, how this rolled off the tongue. Tal- Talia, Talalia, T-A-L-A-I-A, secures grant. From Square Crypto to further Eye of Satoshi. Now, this was written back on June the 15th, so this is three days old. This month, the crypto-focused payment processor Square Crypto issued a grant to the Lightning Network development team from Talalia, however it's pronounced. The grant is to go towards further uh, furthering research in the Eye of Satoshi Watchtower platform. Importantly, Square Crypto believes that this unique off-chain monitoring system can help to secure the Lightning Network from multiple attacks. The news demonstrates further investment into the Lightning Network ecosystem. The eye of Satoshi is Lightning Network Watchtower. Watchtowers are third-party protocols that are able to monitor blockchain transactions. These programs are set to notify users when malicious activities triggers an alarm sequence. Uh, notably, Watchtowers first emerged in 2019 as an experimental, quote, semi-trusted payment channel sheriff, In quote. These automated tracking programs constantly monitor Lightning Network blockchain transactions even when you exit the internet, watchtowers play an increasingly important role in the Lightning Network ecosystem for a number of reasons. Primarily, they protect you from peers, closing the channel and taking your coins. Consequently, they improve censorship resistance by making certain attacks harder to accomplish. <clears throat> as more light clients, <clears throat> sorry, as more light client wallets appear on the market, more users are connecting to the Lightning network via those platforms. Light client wallets differ from traditional Lightning Network wallets because they don't require you to run a full node. These stripped down versions of a node make it possible for mobile wallets to function smoothly. Possible problems arise when users sign off of their light client wallets and exit the internet. Their wallet remains online during times of online exposure. Users are left vulnerable to attacks. Watchtowers eliminate this risk by keeping careful tabs on your crypto after you exit the internet. In this way, your funds never go unmonitored. According to Square Crypto, the goal of the project is to research the use of watchtowers in securing lightning network. Square Crypto is the blockchain development arm of the payment processing giant Square. Notably, Square's founder is a longtime Bitcoin advocate and Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey. Interestingly, Talalia, whatever, chose C-Lightning as the programming language to build their first project. C-Lightning is the coding used by Lightning Network developer Blockstream. Blockstream is among the top LN developers in the space. The group is known for its many advancements in the sector. Paramount, or paramountly, they were the first company to send Bitcoin satellite nodes into space. <clears throat> well, oh, come on, let's. we need to make sure that we're square about that. Kind of, okay, but kind of. Let's just leave it at that. This grant follows the issuance of number of numerous other LN-related grants by Square Crypto. This year, Square pledged funds to well-known Bitcoin core contributor John Attack and Bitcoin developer Tancred Haas. Additionally, a BTC developer known only as zmn received one to further research into this game-changing protocol. As it stands now, you can expect Square to continue to forge ahead with its goal to create a stable and scalable Lightning Network ecosystem. For now, all eyes are on the uh, or however you pronounce it. So, good news. I, I'm liking that. Uh, I, I love Lightning Network, so it's always nice to see that news. South African Bank facing $60 million in losses after its master key was stolen. Andrew Hayward writing this for Decrypt.co sometime yesterday. Uh, South Africa's bank Postbank, the banking subsidiary of the state owned South African Post Office, reportedly lost more than $3.2 million to fraudulent charges after suspected employees stole the bank's master key. As a result, the bank will replace more than 12 million customer cards. According to the Sunday Times of South Africa, employees printed the code from an old data center in December of 2018. From March to December of 2019, The master key was used to make more than 25,000 transactions, gradually siphoning 56 million rand, or about $3.26 million, from customer accounts. Ultimately, the process of replacing customer cards, including both banking cards and government benefits cards, will cost post-bank more in the long run. The Sunday Times reports that the bank will spend more than 1 billion rand, around $58 million U.S., to address the breach. The unnamed researcher behind the at bank underscore security Twitter account told ZDNet that bank codes are usually split across various managers and executives to avoid such security breaches and that banks often also change the key and the people who are holding it. <laughs> In this case, it appears that a single point of failure created a major and costly problem for Postbank. The Postbank report comes during a time in which interest in in which blockchain based cryptocurrencies, which are designed to eliminate single points of failure, is surging across Africa as highlighted in a recent Amazon Prime documentary in May. Bitcoin trading in Africa broke a volume record less than two weeks after setting the previous all time high. And according to a map published by Blockchain Center uh, this week, Bitcoin searches on Google are still soaring in Africa, particularly in Kenya. Twitter and Square CEO Jack Dorsey, a prominent Bitcoin uh, enthusiast, has especially taken a shine to the continent and its crypto potential following an African trip. In November of 2019, Dorsey tweeted, quote, Africa will define the future, especially the Bitcoin one. And then he announced plans to live in the country for several months in 2020. However, the COVID-19 pandemic halted his plans. Foiled. He was foiled again. He took a lot of shit for that tweet, by the way, and i'm I'm not actually i'm I'm not actually sure why shareholders and like board members of of Twitter and square, I guess, were like after his head. They wanted him fired, and I'm like, for what? Because he's gonna move to Africa for six months what What do you think he's gonna do? Send you letters of instructions? if anything the pandemic has proved that being having to be locked to a particular geographic location has been bullshit for a decade okay okay i'll i'll say 5 years but i i really honestly believe it's more like a decade that we could have been anywhere in the world doing anything for anybody except physically putting shit together other than that if you were like you know writer <clears throat> You know, a a copyright person, you were like, I don't know, 3D stuff, you were making decisions that could be emailed, you know, you could have meetings over like Skype and whatnot. This is not all that hard. And suggesting that you have to be in a particular place at this point in time with the technologies that we have kind of is a little akin to slavery. I'm going to go ahead and say it. That's, I mean, honestly, why? Also, multi-sig <laughs> this demonstrates the importance of multi-sig in a big, big way. Uh, can, this key was was fabricated at least in December of 2018, right? I mean, it was printed it, employees printed the code from an old data center in December of 2018. so the key is at least. A year old or not a year old? I mean, is at least as old as December 2018, and only, and it was just in one place. You and and most, it it, you split these keys, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm bullish on Bitcoin. This this is why I Bitcoin. Uh, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, Crypto Paradise, or is it a digital shakedown? We'll find out from Turner Wright, writing from Cointelegraph.com sometime last night. Chaz inhabitants can apparently use crypto at a handful of businesses, but are less scrupulous types capitalizing upon the situation? I don't know, does the Pope wear a funny hat? Cryptocurrencies are reportedly playing a role for good and ill in Seattle's Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, an area established in support of the African-American community by protesters against aggressive policing. A project called JMI coin claims that six businesses are experimenting with its cryptocurrency as a protest against the US dollar while separately other businesses uh, business owners claim he's being extorted for $500 of protection money in bitcoin. The CHAZ, aka Capitol Hill Occupied Protest or CHOP, was formed on July or June 8th by Seattle residents protesting the murder of George Floyd, the three-block area downtown of Seattle, or downtown Seattle, has since become a semi-autonomous community without a police presence. Jami Coin, or YAH, that's the ticker, I suppose, Y-A-H, claimed in a June 17th tweet that businesses in Chaz are accepting its token, which it describes as the main cryptocurrency of the black community. Jesus, God, see, this is just... Yeah, Jami Coin is a shit coin. Uh, they're going to steal your money. They're, you're going to give them your money. They're going to take your money. It is no. Let's fuck these people. This is the kind of shit that I'm talking about. This is exactly the kind of shit that we're trying to get away from. And you guys keep bringing, not, well, not you. You guys are good. My, my listeners are okay. But this kind of shit, these kind of people keep bringing stupidity. From the old world line of thinking that has brought us here into the, in the first place. You know, it's, uh, sorry, let's continue. However, while the project site links through to listings on CoinMarketCap, CoinGecko, CoinCodex, none of these sites have any information on the coin or state that it is currently trading. Links to decentralized exchanges either show no trading or link through to other coins. Live Token Watch quotes a protester named Rico as saying, if we really want to say goodbye to oppression and abuse, we need to say goodbye to the American dollar. Besides, these tokens have zero inflation. I do not know how long I will stay in Chaz, but it is good to know that my modest amount will keep its value even if the dollar is tumbling. Lying to you. Take a look at Live Token Watch's story and judge for yourself, but in the absence of supporting information, the quote sounds a little off. Cointelegraph has contacted Jumai Coin and we'll update the story if we hear back. Good luck on that one. There are also unconfirmed reports that some CHOP members may be using crypto in a mafia-esque shakedown of local businesses <clears throat> for protection money in the absence of police. One business owner named only as Marcus claims he was approached by six CHOP supporters asking for $500 in cash or Bitcoin. For, quote, community security and protection, quote, I told them I would prefer to pay in the latter and hope it would buy time. They're supposedly coming back tomorrow to give me digital wallet details. None of them actually had that info when they showed up. Even 500 bucks is going to be a hit for us as we only just reopened, but I'd rather pay than ask for trouble. I also am hoping they provide some more clarity as to whether this is a one-time or recurring payment and how often payment is expected, end quote. However, once again, it's impossible to ascertain whether the business owner really exists or is simply part of the ongoing disinformation campaign that seemingly surrounds every aspect of the ongoing protest. Cointelegraph has contacted Marcus as well and will let you know if he responds. Other unverified Twitter accounts with fewer than 200 members have popped up to request donations of Bitcoin for Chaz, one providing a wallet address as of this writing no one has sent any btc to the address according to the block or to blockchain data it is not uncommon for unscrupulous individuals to take advantage of public support on hot topic issues coin telegraph reported on june the 4th that someone had launched a personalized token of george floyd god seemingly feeding on the outrage building in the united states to make a quick cash grab one crypto user Coin te- or One crypto user Cointelegraph can say for certain is real is the Kaiser Reports Max Kaiser, who addressed Chaz inhabitants directly on Twitter on June the 13th. The Bitcoin bull suggested BTC is an alternative currency for the zone. And then they give Max Kaiser's tweet here. It says, uh, Chaz, <clears throat> you can never be autonomous if you're using dollars. Want to be absolutely autonomous? Use money that is indestructible, unconfiscatable, and uncensorable. Hashtag Bitcoin. You know the sheer amount of bullshit that is in this—not just this space, but just what we've been dealing with as a human species for God knows how long. It's just—it all—it's just all bubbling right before us. Just watching these people take advantage, and <clears throat> I guess I should say a few words about that twenty-year-old kid that got him—that killed himself because of Robin Hood. Um, if you hadn't seen the story, essentially, a twenty-year-old. Somehow or another was given enough unemployed, by the way, no income given enough leverage and credit to end up $750,000 in the hole. Now, in that particular, uh, in that particular, uh, uh, news article, it did suggest, and I don't know if it was ever confirmed, but it did suggest that there was a high probability that he was just looking at this negative number before some other parts of the options that he had leveraged cleared. Apparently, <clears throat> sometimes it happens that you've got to wait a good long time before you actually get the settle the, the, what the actual settlement number is. And that's not just on Robinhood. That would be on quite a few different trading platforms, but be that as it may even if he ended up positive in the end. Okay, there's two things here. One, there should have been big flashing warning on his phone screen that said, this is not final settlement. This is not final settlement. Please do not go throw yourself in front of a train, which is exactly how this kid killed himself. He threw himself in front of a fucking train because he, at 20 years old, he can't even legally drink in the United States and he's dead. The second thing about this is it doesn't matter even if he was going to end up positive. It doesn't matter. The fact that you extended the amount of leverage to somebody who does not know what the hell that they're doing, they were going to end up negative by multiple hundred thousand dollars anyway. and then they would and then even after settlement full settlement occurs. There's still a million dollars in the hole. Hey, what are they going to do? Are they going to send Guido to Gum kneecap his ass? I don't even know how that works and and second how could you how could you how the, how could you and people say you know we'll say shit like well you know it's if you're a true libertarian i'm like yeah i like libertarian as much as anybody else but you know what i don't do i don't leave bags of fucking cocaine out on my goddamn table so that my seven-year-old can come by and find it that ain't libertarian there's a difference between being libertarian and actually having some kind of conscious thought about how you move through this life. And how you move through this life, if it includes extending 150x leverage on stupid options, derivatives, trading platforms like Robinhood, you're doing it wrong. I mean, at least make them take a trading test to open like almost like a, like a digital badge where the only way that you're going to get access to 150X leverage is you better prove beyond a shadow of a fucking doubt that you know exactly what you're doing for a while. And then that opens up. Maybe they'll open up 2X leverage. And then you take more tests, and then it's 4X leverage. I don't know, man, but a 20-year-old kid living in his basement that's home from college because of COVID that has no job, has the ability to go even potentially go... Uh, three quarters of a million dollars in the hole is beyond reprehensible and shame on Robin Hood for all of this shit. Put a warning label on your damn thing that makes sure that people know whether or not it's final settlement, please. You idiots. Sorry for the rant. Let's get on to this. Oh, I just need to make a short uh, status update for Tyler Durden and Zero Hedge if you don't know what's going on. He got his Twitter account unlocked, you know, a couple of days ago, but almost immediately he was deplatformed by PayPal. So here's his status update. This was uh, sometime yesterday, uh, sometime like apparently late evening. He says, one other thing, we have also been deplatformed by PayPal, which is why the donation section is different now. In summary, there is a full-blown assault against this website, and even if we go premium, it is unclear what will happen if all funding lines are cut off. We'll cross that bridge if and when we get there. Bottom line, we are just asking for some patience. Now, I didn't read the whole thing, but there's there's a couple of things here. Apparently, PayPal, like as ob- as what is obvious, PayPal deplatformed. So get he's got me blocked. I don't know why I don't know what the hell I could have ever said to at zero hedge to get blocked, given the you know given what zero hedge is, but I must have said something pretty vile to him because he's blocked me and I've never been unblocked. Uh, but if you guys are not unblocked, okay, do this do this for Tyler. if you guys are not unblocked shill the living shit out of BTC pay server. That's BTC pay server. Tyler can get all, I'm Bitcoin fixes this because of people like Nicholas Dorier or Dorier. Dorier. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Sorry, Nicholas is not a slant on you. I'm just saying because of people like Nick, Bitcoin fixes this. Bitcoin doesn't fix shit all by itself. Bitcoin fixes things that people build to be fixed or build systems that can fix things using Bitcoin. Nicholas did that with BTC Pay Server. Tyler needs to be completely bitch slapped into submission until he figures out, oh yeah, I need to get BTC Pay Server. So just do me that solid and get a hold of Tyler and Zero Hedge. Shill the living crap out of BTC Pay Server, please. I beg you because even though Zero Hedge has blocked me, I still like Zero Hedge. So. What are we going to do? We're going to go do some finals. That's what we're going to go do. Traditional markets are totally meh. They're totally meh today, just like they were yesterday, which is completely unlike they were on Monday and Tuesday. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Let's look at it. S&P 500 down a quarter, Nasdaq up, I don't know, maybe beyond the margin of error. Dow Jones Industrials is down a half, FTSE down a half, Nikkei down a half, Hang Seng down margin of error, Shanghai up margin of error. I'm serious, man. It is total meh out there, bro. Uh, bonds mixed, everything's down like fractions or every well mixed insofar as what's down is down by fractions. What is up is up again by fractions. The only thing that made a decent move today was oil at two percent to the upside. It's last on West Texas Intermediate was thirty-eight bucks seventy cents for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate. Natural gas is also up by like uh, I don't know, a quarter. Gold is down by a third of a point. It's at seventeen and thirty seventeen hundred and thirty bucks. Uh, I'm telling you, man, it's like It's like waiting for somebody to die. Real money. Bitcoin's at $9,438. We got a high over a bit asset at $9,509. And we have a low at, it's like it's going to be Simex $9,414. 305,000 transactions were conducted in the last 24 hours, giving us an average of about 12,700 transactions per hour. And, uh, just a hair under a million BTC. were sent in that period with 40,000 BTC being sent on average every hour. Average transaction value is three, uh, I almost said $3, sorry, 3.15 BTC. Median transaction value is really high, 0.05 BTC, which is a 30 bucks shy of $500. Block time is high, 10 minutes and 50 seconds. We have 0.3 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 44 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We have 2.6% to the upside increase in hash rate, bringing us to 110 exahashes per second, according to BitInfo charts. We'll look at my node here in a second. And the last time that uh somebody did a last or a, a GitHub commit on the Bitcoin Core repository was sometime this morning. Bcash at 238, BSV at 172, Litecoin at 43 uh 44 uh Ethereum Classic at six and a quarter, Dogecoin holding it at 0.0025. And good lord, at 45,588 transactions in the last 24 hours, it's stomping. Again, Ethereum Classic, Litecoin, and specifically, it's beating the shit out of b cash. and yeah, we got into I got into a little scuffle with somebody on Twitter about BCash who really thinks that it's real it's actual money. so I you know, just asked him how, how do you deal with the anemic the the anemic anemic transaction counts for Bcash? and of course, he had just nothing but scoff and bullshit to say looking at the Twitter profile. <clears throat> he called me a nobody. I wish my mommy was still alive so that she could tell me that it was going to be okay. Nobody. Stop calling people nobodies, man. I mean, dude, that... Who gives a shit? Especially when you've got like 22 followers. You calling nobody a no Anybody a nobody is somebody's business, but it ain't mine. Anyway, okay. All right. Enough of that shit. Let's Let's get into what my note says. It corroborates closely the hash rate, 108 exahashes per second on a day average, 106.4 exahashes for the weekly average. I have 30,000 transactions waiting to clear in my mempool. And it looks like all, yeah, the last, yeah, last 10 blocks are almost completely full. Uh, we'll go to Clark Moody's, that's bitcoin.clarkmoody.com forward slash dashboard, otherwise known as Clark Moody Bitcoin. Bl- Clark Moody's Bitcoin has a little bit a uh, little bit more transactions than I do. He's got 30,677. That is giving us about 14.16 megabytes. Uh, so we'll need 15 blocks to clear that 30,600 transactions. In the Lightning Network, we have 940.8 BTC representing $8.8 million of liquidity across 7,237 nodes representing 36,414 channels. In Tor, we are holding at 426.8 BTC, giving the percentage of Tor capacity for the Lightning Network 45.4%, same as yesterday. Number of Tor nodes is 2,106. Encourage your friends to run a Bitcoin full node and a Lightning node on Tor today. That's going to do it for bottom. you think there's any news that I could give you that would illustrate just how frail DeFi is at this point? There is. A cryptocurrency bug put almost a half a million dollars of DeFi funds at risk. This is Daniel Phillips writing for Decrypt.co sometime this morning. The Bancor team and a few helpers just hacked its own protocol to rescue $545,000 from being stolen, but it could have been another major DeFi exploit. Could have been. The team behind Bancor, a DeFi blockchain protocol designed to facilitate cross-chain cryptocurrency swaps, just resolved a potentially damaging bug in its latest smart contract update. A smart contract is a piece of code running on the blockchains, bruh. The bug could have allowed hackers to drain the balance of any account that interacted with the latest version of the Bancor Network smart contract. The issue was so bad, it could have resulted in a complete loss of funds to anybody that invoked the faulty version of the contract. Luckily, crisis was averted. Bancor and two other anonymous agents managed to extract half a million dollars of vulnerable funds before any malicious hackers appeared. We reached out to Bancor, and we'll update this article if we hear back. The flaw was discovered by Bancor at midnight, which quickly warned its community about the issue and deployed a new version of the smart contract that fixes the vulnerability. Quote, late last night, or rather last night at 12 a.m. GMT, a vulnerability was discovered in the new version of the Bancor Network V0.6 smart contract deployed on June the 16th, 2020, Bancor posted on its official Telegram group. As an immediate response to the issue, Bancor drained $410,000 worth of tokens from vulnerable wallets through a series of batched transactions. According to a report by the popular decentralized exchange aggregator 1inch, a number of frontrunners also began draining vulnerable wallets. One, which 1inch confirmed was a friendly actor, extracted around $132,000 in tokens, while another drained just north of $3,000 it is hoped that they will return the funds to the Bancor team. "Quote, the bug was first exploited by the Bancor network team to protect user funds from theft. Seconds later, automatic front runners noticed high profit transactions and joined the opportunity. During the night, more than $500,000 of user funds were drained from wall- user wallets by the Bancor team and two automatic front runners. Antov Bukov, CTO of 1inch, told Decrypt, "Quote Automatic frontrunners provided emails for communication for such cases, and we believe they are likely to return stolen funds. It is still unsafe for victim wallets to store tokens. They need first revoke the ERC-20 approvals using the method outlined by Bancor. <laughs> God, are you serious? I. So far, there is no indication that the exploit has been used by malicious actors to steal user funds. Bancor first detected and responded to the bug this morning, but early warning signs for this particular type of exploit have been floating around since March. That's March, March, April, May, June. That's almost a quarter. That's a, like a quarter. Wow. Man, that's just bad, people. According to Tal Beery, a security research manager and co founder of Zengo, his team warned about the risks of approval exploits like the one suffered by Bancor three months ago. <clears throat> in almost every DAP, when the user connects to it, they unknowingly provide the smart contract associated with the DAP full access to all of their funds, regardless of their actual usage. Therefore, even if the user only actually sent a transaction equivalent to $1, an attacker abusing a smart contract vulnerability can withdraw all of the user's holdings of that specific asset, wrote Alec Manuskin in a report on March twenty. Third. Again, people, that was in March 23rd. Bancor is now advising users to check if they interacted with the faulty contract and if so, perform a small conversion on Bancor.network to revoke all previous approvals. To the old version of the smart contract, full details on how to keep safe can be found on the official Bancor Telegram chat. Earlier this year, $1 million was stolen in two DeFi exploits and later on, hackers stole $25 million from another DeFi company. If there's one thing DeFi needs, it's better security and it needs it yesterday. I disagree. If there's one thing DeFi needs, it needs to be buried. You need to stop this shit. This is a terrible, terrible look. And this whole thing where I got like, if I was, and I'm not, I don't, I haven't touched DeFi. I don't know. I shouldn't say anything about it because I don't know about it because I don't use it because I think it's just stupid to begin with. But it seems clear that I have to jump through some serious technical hoops immediately in case I don't want to lose my funds. I got to go to something. I got to do shit. What if I'm on vacation? What if I'm in a coma? What if I'm like Marty and, and, and Matt's man in a coma? I ain't going to be able to do shit because I'm in a coma or I'm like wakeboarding or something like, or I'm in a different country and I'm like, my cell phone got destroyed. If I don't know this shit's going on, I don't know, how, then I won't have a hope in hell of going and doing all of the things that need to be done to secure my money. That right there should trigger every alarm bell in your head. Again, if, as if I have to say it several times, this is why I Bitcoin judge orders Mark Carpellis to face fraud suit from 2014. This cat ain't ever getting out of court. Man, him and Craig should just hook up or something. Coin Telegraph Samuel Haig is writing this one. Uh, Oh, looks like way early this morning, U.S. District Judge has dismissed the summary judgment request of the former Mt. Gox CEO in a lawsuit from 2014 accusing Mark Carpellis of fraudulent misrepresentation. God, this guy. A judge has ruled the former chief executive of defunct cryptocurrency exchange, Mt. Gox, faced a lawsuit alleging fraud filed way back in 2014 on June the 16th. U.S. District Judge Gary Finnerman rejected Carpellis' motion for summary judgment, rejecting the former Mt. Gox head's assertion that the case's sole remaining plaintiff, Gregory Green, had altered his agreement against Carpellis in opposing the motion and brought a host of new allegations. Judge Finnerman... Found that Green merely added detail with the aim of discovery, with the complaint having articulated the gist of the fraud of the claim. Quote, that does not violate the rule against altering the factual basis of the claim on summary judgment. Green first opened an account with Mt. Gox in early 2012, claiming to have relied on representations made in the exchange's terms of service in assessing the platform's security. During the deposition, Green noted that he could not remember the terms displayed on the website. The suit alleges that Carpelus falsely represented just how safe users' funds were on the exchange, with the terms of service proclaiming that the platform would securely custody clients' assets, including safely and quickly allowing them to buy, sell, trade, or withdraw. Carpellus responded to Green's complaint, but does not cite Mr. Gox's terms of use. And in fact, the exchange did not even have terms of service at the time that Green opened his account and began depositing. As Mt. Gox users began to experience widespread withdrawal issues from late 2013 until February 2014, Green made numerous unsuccessful attempts to remove funds from the platform. Despite completing verification documents forwarded to him by Mt. Gox support staff in February, Green lost more than 42.9 Bitcoin worth nearly $26,000 at the time. Not the time of writing, because today... Green's coins would be valued at almost four hundred and four thousand dollars. I honestly I think okay, yeah. All right. Speaking to Law 360 on June the 18th, Green's attorney Ben Thomason stated, quote, We are pleased with Judge Finnerman's decision by his own account. Mark Carpellis withheld critical information from and took affirmative steps to defraud Mount Gox's investors. We look forward to presenting our motion for class certification and holding Mr. Carpellis fully accountable. For his actions. Man, this guy ain't ever going to get out of court. I'm telling you, man. All right, <clears throat> let's look at this one. This is a BlockFi.com. Uh, looks like it kind of looks, it, honestly, it looks like uh, a blog post, but let's, it's BlockFi news. It was written yesterday. BlockFi hires Adam Healy as chief security officer. We're proud to announce that we've hired Adam Healy. As our new chief security officer, he joins BlockFi at a pivotal moment, further strengthening our commitment to security while we work to expand our product and service offering for retail and institutional clients. As chief security officer, Healy will be responsible for leading and strengthening BlockFi's security first approach across the organization, which includes protecting client data, digital assets, and other proprietary information information he will span cybersecurity and physical security. Why should you care? Well, Adam used to work for BACT, and you know, we kinda kinda like BACT, except that, you know, it kind of escaped our attention that before BACT, he worked for the United States Department of Defense and renowned corporate surveillance company Palantir. This is not the man. This is not your guy. <laughs> dude, I don't know. At this point, BlockFi scares the living piss out of me. It just does. Now they may be completely above board. I don't know. But hiring this guy is sort of like Coinbase hiring neutrino. And if you don't know that story, it's it's bad. It's it's a it's a bad, bad story. It's a terrible look. Um these people should have nothing to do with any of this space. The fact that they are is because the people that are opening the doors for their entrance into the space are the people that want to control this space. So when um, Homeboy from Coinbase opened the door for the, those assholes from Neutrino to come in, uh, it's because he wants, to, he wants to shape the space because he's an egoist, he's a narcissist, he's greedy, and he's a scumbag. I'm starting to look at BlockFi in sort of the same way. So, kill your heroes, man. Kill them all dead. Now, let's get into into this one. Ubisoft launches Rabbids token crypto game to benefit UNICEF. After plenty of dabbling around blockchain, the massive game publisher debuts a riff on CryptoKitties. This is Andrew Hayward writing this one yesterday for Decrypt.co. Ubisoft has shown a lot of interest in blockchain gaming initiatives over the years, but for the very first time, the successful video game publisher has released its own crypto-centric game. Debut today, Rabbids Token is a riff on Dapper Labs' popular Crypto Kitties, which crashed Ethereum when it first launched, pulling the goofy, rabbit-like alien creatures from Ubisoft's long-running game series, Rabbids Tokens, lets users purchase differently-skinned versions of the Rabbids on the Ethereum blockchain. (coughs) There are some key twists that set it apart from CryptoKitties, however. The biggest is that players potentially won't own the Rabbit for very long. It can be purchased by another user and stolen from you, and you won't get any money in return. Wow, that'll be an unexpected curveball for some potential players, but you will receive a proof of plausible ownership, a popo, certificate that states that you did own the Rabbit, even briefly players can collect the popos to try to put together a complete collection on the site but they cannot be sold or traded. The other twist is that all proceeds generated by the game go to benefit benefit charity UNICEF. So while the ownership level isn't quite the same as CryptoKitties and other blockchain-based games it is all ultimately going for a good cause. Yeah, if you believe anything the UN has to say, honestly I lost trust in that organization decades ago. Each rabbit will also transform once you quote, steal it from another user so you won't know exactly which one you're buying. Rabbids can be purchased with Ethereum by linking a wallet to the site, with each rabbit currently selling for between 0.05 and 0.15 ETH. Additionally, there will be special edition Rabbids released during a full moon, the next of which will occur on July the 5th. Ubisoft is easily the largest game publisher to release a crypto-enabled game. As the company puts out massive game franchises such as Assassin's Creed and Far Cry, Rabbit's Token comes from the publisher Strategic Innovation Lab, which is behind its Entrepreneur's Lab initiative that has supported several blockchain sta- startups to date. Ubisoft also previously prototyped a Minecraft e- Minecraft-esque crypto game called Hashcraft that was never officially released, but the company signed on as a validator of Ultra's UOS blockchain. All right, so I like Ubisoft, but it's just, the should just use Bitcoin, man, honestly, or Lightning at this point. That would actually be more of a, a thing. In, in, in either event, their heart's in the right place, I guess. The fact that they're using a shit coin is disappointing, and at one point or another, DeFi will probably get involved, and then everybody will lose their money, and then UNICEF will go cry, I guess. I don't know. The other thing about this is that I like Rabbids. Um I got <laughs> I got uh used to Rabbids by taking my children to oh like a, a one of these big old massive arcades with like you know bowling alley and a movie theater and a huge arcade and freaking like rock wall and all that. Anyway, they had the the virtual reality game Rabbids and I kind of got me and my son kind of got addicted to that thing. And we haven't been back since well, because of an invisible virus, so we'll have to wait for that one. Civic, uh, For all of you Vinny Lingham fans, stop helping this guy be a complete douchebag. Civic to launch vaccination proofing tool on Apple and Google app stores. Cointelegraph's Ting Pang writing this one yesterday. Civic Technologies, a San Francisco-based innovator in digital identity solutions, announced on June the 16th that its Civic Wallet is now available in the App Store and Google Google Play. Civic Wallet has also formed a partnership with Circle Medical, a San Francisco hospital. Together, they will act as a COVID-19 vaccination proofing tool for Circle Medical's employees. 500 Circle Medical employees will be able to test for COVID-19, At a circle medical testing site located in the San Francisco Bay area, they state that new new locations will be added in the future. More than 100,000 people signed up for the app's private beta waiting list. Since going live on Monday, the app has already been downloaded more than 12,000 times. According to Civic, its technology is designed to protect, protect individual identity privacy first. Users can control what information they do and do not want to share. The company explained, quote, when a user signs up with a Civic Wallet, they are authenticated as a real person using both AI and blockchain-based technology. Once verified, Civic Wallet holders have more control over the information they share with third parties. For example, Civic Wallet users may share their health key but not provide their name or address to a requesting company. George Favas, co-founder and CEO of Circle Medical, commented that Civic is not only compliant from a regulatory standpoint, but that they also are deeply committed to doing what's right for their users. End quote. Unlike other crypto wallets, Civic Wallet reportedly no longer requires users to remember passwords or seed phrases. The wallet's multi-sig access function allows custodian companies such as BitGo and CoinCover to hold part of a user's key. Even if users lose their phones, funds should theoretically be recoverable. As Cointelegraph reported previously, CoinCover Insured by Lloyds of London underwriters would provide civic wallet FDIC like insurance for cryptocurrencies holding up to 1 million in USD. Okay. So it sounds like it sounds like all good except this proof of vaccination. Vinny Lingham is throwing his hat in the ring to be one of the people that control whether or not you can prove your vaccination. That means that it doesn't matter if I'm not giving up my identity key. It ma- what matters here is that at one point or another this Vinny Lingham guy and his civic blockchains is going to be responsible for people either being able to fly, not being able to fly, get a job, not get a job because of the way that he is and 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 the 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 partnerships that he's forming and the ethics that he's disregarding. Now, you'd say what you want about uh, it's not that I don't like vaccinations. I have a I have a very clear stance on on like vaccinations in general. I don't get the flu shot because it's bullshit. Second, for my children, they get I spread out their vaccinations to the limits that are allowed by law in the vaccination protocols, okay? There is like your, I don't know, DTAP. You, you need to get your DTAP as a child between this year and a year and a half later. So when I go in and I'm, they're supposed to get something like, you know, something and a DTAP, they only get one. I stretch that son of a bitch out as long as I possibly can so that their immune systems can process just what it needs to process. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. But I do think that the schedule, if you just adhere to it, well, let's just get all five of them today. I don't, I don't want that for my kid. You want it for your kid? That's fine. So that's my stance on vaccination. I will get, you know, I, I will at one point or another, I mean, I've gotten tetanus. I've gotten tetanus vaccinations or the tetanus shot. <clears throat> it's not like I'm a complete anti-vaxxer. However, this kind of shit, where you have to have a clear health pass, we're getting really, really close to Brave New World 1984 animal farm level shit. And that's, those are not manuals for the future. They are warnings against what could happen if you let people like Vinnie Lingham do what he wants to do. Fuck that guy. This Bitcoin address was just hacked on purpose. Colin Harper for Decrypt.co writing this one yesterday. A Bitcoin wallet was just brute forced as part of a 1BTC giveaway. Here's how it happened. A wallet with 1BTC was just brute forced, but don't worry, its owner wanted it this way. Alistair Milne, the CIO of the Altana Digital Currency Fund, tweeted this morning that he woke up to the, quote, bad news that 1BTC, currently worth north of $9,300, had been taken from an address he controlled, incidentally. Milne actually wanted this Bitcoin stolen. It was part of a giveaway slash puzzle that he orchestrated via Twitter. Milne posted about the giveaway at the end of May, stating that he would periodically release a hint to a 12-word seed phrase for a wallet address containing a little over one BTC. In an effort to prevent brute forcing or running programs to guess the seed phase, Milne intended to, quote, give the last three or four words all at once. But he never got the chance. Because one community member was able to brute force the wallet seed after the eighth hint was published. It took the attacker 44 hours to find the full seed phrase. Milne mentioned on Twitter that he was hoping to make the giveaway more inclusive to the not-so-tech savvy. More than a clever giveaway, this puzzle is also a technical experiment in how quickly an attacker can derive a 12-word seed if they have over half of its words. A seed phrase for a cryptocurrency wallet is a 12- or 24-word phrase. This acts as a backup phrase for a Bitcoin wallet's private keys. It would take, according to some estimates, billions of years to crack these phrases without knowing any of the words or letters in the mnemonic. But with every hint and word that Milne published in the scenario, the seed became easier to crack. Still, Milne was impressed by the rate at which the hacker brute-forced the seed He was also intrigued by the high miner fee that they paid, which was 0.01 BTC, saying that this likely means the miner felt pressure to move it quickly, lest another participant crack the code first. So there you go. (laughs) I I saw the tweet where he said he woke up to bad news, and I was kind of freaking out going, oh, man, this sucks. I had no idea that this had been a giveaway and sort of a planned deal. So good to know. You know, good to know. Alistair uh he's ex- Alistair Milne on Twitter is is quite the character. I like him quite a bit. He's been one of my long-time long-term follows that I I enjoy. But yeah, I didn't see the whole first part of this thing. I just saw his tweet about that it was a brute force and I'm like, Oh, oh man, that's like a kick in the crotch." But that's going to do it for the morning roundup. I do not have a daily train wreck because some of the news stories today stood in perfectly well for that bullshit. However, I do have a dad says jokes. Who says? I hate autocorrect. It always makes me say things I don't Nintendo. Yeah. 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 Ah, it's better to read it than it is to say it, but still it was the best one, uh, best one up on his board for the day. Okay, again. If you are planning on going to Bitblock Boom in Dallas, but on the dates of August the 29th through the 30th proper is the two dates that are the actual proper dates. But there are some events that start on Thursday, the 27th, in Dallas. And that again is in August. In Dallas, you can go to bitblockboom.com to get your tickets. Tickets are going fast. Out of the four different kinds of tickets, only two types are left, uh, and three dollars or three hundred and twenty-nine dollars is the least amount that you can buy a ticket for. Be aware: in twelve days, that ticket price is going to rise again because they he put uh, Gary Leland puts a timer on that. If you want a 30 percent discount, use Bitcoin and all one word in the discount code and you will get 30 percent off. Again, that is Bitcoin and all one word. Also, uh, please subscribe like Shill, help me out, brothers. Help me out. get the get the pod in the streets, put it on Facebook, put it on Instagram. do what do what you can. I got at least one other person is helping me out big time. and I got to say a hearty thanks to that. And it's just awesome to see somebody kind of give, give me a hand. Um, but yeah, give me a five-star review on, you know, Apple iTunes, you know, like everything that I do, please. They they like me, they really like me. Um, other than that, man, I'm going to see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and